Hey, it's another science fiction podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. Today we're presenting the short story, The JPEG of Dorian Gray, by Brian Trent. We all know about how Oscar Wilde's Dorian Gray sold his soul for immortality, but the author asks, what became of the infamous picture? Brian lives in New England and has published work in analog, fantasy and science fiction, daily science fiction, and others. Please see the accompanying interview to learn more. Our thanks to Brian Trent for his razor-sharp story, which first appeared in the weird western anthology Principia Ponderosa. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe. And now, here's the JPEG of Dorian Gray, read by Mike Wright. The JPEG of Dorian Gray The city was long gone, but the fire hydrants remained, rising from the bog like oversized mushrooms. They were cast iron, after all, unlike the wood and stone and steel that had rotted and crumbled and rusted with the passage of centuries. Cast iron, even slowly eaten by corrosion, had outlasted them all. Like him. But not nearly as pretty as me, Dorian Gray muttered, looking around. The hydrants rose from a vile green marshland that had him ankle-deep in brackish water and duckweed. The mud sucked at his boots as he pressed deeper into the territory. Trees bent sorrowfully to the water, echoing in their way Caravaggio's oil on canvas of Narcissus gazing lovingly at his own reflection. Dorian stared, his pale and lovely face marred by dark thoughts. No, he thought, not like Narcissus. These trees were gnarled and crooked things, bent like craggy hags to consider their equally horrendous reflections. There was no love in that mirroring, and the trees were rotting. These were white oaks and sycamores from the old days, not yet evolved to deal with the area's flooding. The betrid water was turning their rooted bases to mush, resulting in this arthritic stoop. Dorian Gray closed his eyes. He could feel his picture nearby. For the last several months he had tracked it, like the narrator's in pose, the telltale heart, pursuing a distant heartbeat. He knew it was closing in now. It lay somewhere in this swamp that had once been Florida. No, Florida had been swallowed by the sea around 2137. Or had that been 3127? It was difficult keeping track as the old tea parties and costume balls and orgies of board million-dollar yachts had expired, just as mankind had expired. The last calendars had rotted off their hangings long ago. Except for me, Dorian Gray thought, I shall never age and never die, as long as the cursed picture endured. The portrait that preserved him, soaking in his sins and age and injury, had been painted by Basil Hallward in 1890 in a London studio. Yet it was the fall of 1923 when Dorian decided to relocate his belongings, including the portrait, to New York. He'd grown weary of Europe and was enticed by the promise of novelty across the pond. Drawn by the dazzle and wealth and jazz-age glitter, the flapper parties and bathtub gin, he'd hopped a steamer his possessions stored in the ship's hold. Upon arrival, Dorian went searching for the nearest speakeasy, wasting no time in getting a lay of his new land. But he was in the midst of drinking a pink lady surrounded by the fawning attentions of men and women in Lower Manhattan Club when he felt an inexplicable heat on his face. It wasn't from the alcohol. 
Dorian excused himself and dashed into the street, following the mysterious sensation. His eyes lit when he spied the harbour ablaze. The drunk sailor's improperly discarded cigarette might have started it, but Dorian ran in full-blown terror, choking and stumbling in the smoke and flames to rescue the one belonging of his that could not be allowed to perish. By the time he retrieved it and escaped the fiery vessel, it was only heat-singed around the lacquered frame. It had been a dreadfully close call. Dorian, with soot on his cheeks, promised himself to never keep all his immortal eggs in one basket again. The very next day, he hauled the painting to a local photographer. At Dorian's insistence, the man stood before the demonic and withered and monstrous painting and produced three high-quality tintype replicas. In 1974, in Mexico City, Dorian purchased a Polaroid and snapped an additional photo, keeping it in his wallet. In 2007, in a Beijing skyrise among China's nouveau riche, he snorted cocaine from between a whore's thighs and got an idea. He fetched the laminated Polaroid, aimed his smartphone, snapped a digital picture, and uploaded it to the internet. Dorian Gray stumbled over submerged roots and cried out, nearly breaking his ankle underwater. His cry echoed spectacularly through the trees. Scaly birds, startled by the sound of a human voice, leapt from their roost and splashed into the safety of the water as a solid black mass. He sneered at the ripples they had left. Ugly things, he thought. Bastard children that had squeezed through evolution's birth canal. Nothing's as pretty as me, he shouted in his best southern drawl. The hairs on his arms stood up. Dorian stared, spying a moss-covered cave where the scaly birds had been. Vines draped across its mouth. His picture was in there. He could feel it. Dorian splashed forward with new eagerness, trembling despite the humidity. He waded the putrid water into the cave's mouth. His feet touched a series of tiered stones. He froze, pulse quickening in his neck. Stairs! Nearly blind in the gloom, Dorian climbed the stairs to a drier elevation. He passed suspiciously geometric shapes. His hand ran along slimy rocks, and he grinned bleakly when he perceived a placard illuminated through a small crack in the cave's ceiling. The words were faded but readable. Allis, depart, and Shreveport, Ark, Logi, Lev, L-51. Ah! The Shreveport Arcology, established between the immigrations of the Polynesian diaspora and the Red Plague of 5430. Or had that been 5043? Dorian hesitated. A magnetic sensation cloyed at him, like the mud that had suckled his boots. He felt around and found what must have been an ancient police evidence locker. Prying it apart with his hands, he located a perfectly sealed plastic bag. Then he retraced his steps into the swamp and examined what he had found by the failing daylight. A plastic bag. And inside? An ancient wrist phone containing a forgotten person's emails and contact lists and photos. Dorian's impulsive decision to upload his demonic portrait to the world web had resulted in the hideous picture being shared and posted and saved a million times over all across the world. His original painting could be destroyed, and he had destroyed it. The tintype plates could be shattered, and he had shattered them. And the Polaroid burned, and he had burned it. But his immortality would go on, and on, and dreadfully, horrifically, unendingly on unless I can destroy every last one of them. Dorian was sick and trembling as he reached the shore, the wrist bone in his white-knuckled grip. Something howled in the forest. 
Heart hammering, he quickly placed the wrist phone upon a rock. He hefted another rock and held it aloft, praying to anyone who would listen. Over the millennia, most computer devices had corroded, their memory storage vanishing forever. But things had a way of preserving, the way fossil hunters sometimes discovered flint axes and arrowheads from Neolithic man. And if he ever wanted to die, he needed to obliterate them all. More howls erupted from the woods. A pack of dark shapes scrambled through the bush, drawn to his scent. Dorian nearly gibbered with panic and the agony of hope. He brought the rock down, over and over, pulverizing the device down to its microchip, over and over and over. Let. Me. Die. When the wild dogs found him, he had no strength to flee them. They erupted from the woods in a slavering pack, eyes burning with hunger. In the absence of humanity, dogs had utterly shed their domesticated traits. They had returned to the dire wolf, maybe. Larger, shaggier, with serrated teeth like stilettos in frothy mouths. Dorian spread his arms and let them have him. It was a bad way to die, always was. You heard them chewing and cracking your bones. Something tickled his face. He opened his eyes to find flies crawling and buzzing about his bloodied body. Nightmare day had folded into a lonely, cloudy, moonlit evening. Dorian Gray jerked to his feet. The dogs were gone, their bellies fat with his flesh. The ground was sticky and reeked of carnage. His bloody clothes were shredded, hanging like graveyard cerements from lank limbs. His wounds, however, had entirely healed, as they always did. Dorian gazed up at the crescent moon as if seeking mercy from its cold and leering gaze. The flies alighted on the blood that had dried on his face and neck. A soft vibration suddenly tingled his neck, like the hand of a ghostly lover. There was a picture of him somewhere to the west. Dorian Gray stood, legs rubbery, stomach grumbling for food. He took two steps in the direction of the magical beckoning, then he collapsed to his knees by the marsh's shore. He gazed into the water. The moonlight drew his reflection on its black surface. In hues of silver and shadow, he regarded his bloodied face, his mangled clothes and wild hair, and the haunted emptiness of his eternal eyes. Nothing's as pretty as me, he whispered and kept staring at the reflection, even as the clouds began to rain. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns. 